We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep. Sort of. I am Ty Windish, host of the Eurostep here on GSPN and Blue Wire. But instead of my typical GSPN cohort, I am joined on this special preview episode of the Bucks Pacers in-season tournament semifinal game by Alex Golden and Mike Focci of the Setting the Pace podcast, a terrific Indiana Pacers podcast, also a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So check out Setting the Pace wherever you are listening to this. Please go give those guys a follow. I will put a link in the show notes. But without further ado, here is our conversation, all things Bucks and Pacers ahead of this game on Thursday, not night, Thursday afternoon for some reason. Don't miss the start time. Uh, but here is our convo. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast here, Setting the Pace. I'm Alex Gould, and joined with Michael J. Focci, but we're doing a crossover podcast today. We have Ty Windish from the Eurostep podcast, part of the GSPN network over there. They do a lot of great coverage of Milwaukee sports, but Ty, we're here to preview the Pacers game uh, against the Bucks in Vegas for the semifinals. Winner goes to the championship of the in-season tournament. How we doing, man? Doing great. I mean, honestly, this is... It's so funny after the – I don't know if you guys saw the um, the Nick Friedel tweet about the NBA is praying for the big markets. To, and the Lakers did make it there, but I love that it's Pacers-Bucks, little central division matchup. And I think everyone in Wisconsin secretly loves the Pacers for what Tyrese Halliburton, Oshkosh native. Of course, you guys and your listeners know this too, but what he's been doing. So I love it. I think the Bucks probably are pretty excited after how close that first game was to get another shot at this uh, quickly rising Indiana team. And, you know, there's been all this talk about, oh, the tournament stinks because you get harder games. I kind of like it, man. I kind of like seeing the team go up against really good teams with real stakes, especially the team still in it. So I can't wait. I'm really excited for this. I was looking forward either way. There's some Bucks fans who dread Boston, dread this matchup. I've just been excited for the tournament, and the fact that it's Bucks Pacers, I think, is great. So I hope you guys are excited too. I mean, probably feeling good after handing the Bucks the, the loss, the first matchup back in November. 
Yeah, we are. I mean, this is in-season tournament. It's been awesome, especially the the matchup. And we're coming off of beating Boston. We get to play Milwaukee again. This is the experience you want if you're Indiana. But it's been evident. The in-season tournament, it's meant the world to the Pacers. I mean, they have most of the players have not played on a stage like this before. A lot, it's a very young team. So they're fighting to prove themselves. But how's it been for Milwaukee, a team that just a few years ago won the championship, a team that expects to be there? How are they treating this in-season tournament? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's kind of a mix of they probably are not totally immune to the outside noise that they're, you know, they had a shaky start, clearly. And the defense hasn't been as good. It's not as bad, I think, as people think. We'll probably get to that. But it clearly has not been as good. And you lose Drew Holiday, and that's going to happen no matter what you run. But I think there's a little bit of motivation from the Bucks to kind of go, you know, this new play style, we can win games doing this too. And they certainly did in big fashion against the Knicks. And also, I love that Dame and Giannis have been coming from this angle of, you know, we want this for the guys on the roster who aren't on the Supermax deals, right? And, you know, Dame and Giannis... You know, they've already notched, I think, 100 or 150K, 500K if you win it all, which obviously to mere mortals like us, that sounds incredible. To Damon Giannis, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a rounding error. That's a small change in the tax code. But there are two-way players on the, on the roster. There's a lot of veteran minimum guys on this roster, not even just the young guys like, you know, rookies, Andre Jackson Jr., Chris Livingston. Like I like Malik Beasley, who had to take vet minimum. Jay Crowder, like to those guys even, who they've made more in their careers. But that's still a pretty significant raise this season to throw 500K onto a vet min, whether that's around $2 million or whatever. So I think the motivation has been let's win it for the whole team, the guys who maybe aren't on the huge contracts. And clearly, you know, that's been enough. Also, I just think the, competi- the competitive nature takes over. You know, national TV games, you know, great opponents. You know, at this stage, it's winner go home and – you know, maybe for the seeding games, it wasn't as clear to teams. But by those last couple of days, it was real clear. And we saw, you know, intentional fouls and stuff like that. So I think they found a lot of different ways to be motivated. And I think generally after the first couple of games, their compete level has been pretty good. Well, I shouldn't say that. They don't defend sometimes for like three quarters. But they've, they've found motivation for the in-season tournament. Not defending for three quarters sounds pretty familiar over here in Indiana because <laughs> we are one of the worst defenses in the NBA and Tyrese Halliburton, you know, he had some nice plays. The team had some nice plays defensively at the end of the game there. I think Tyrese had a nice steal on Drew Holiday when I think he sealed him and got that steal. But, yeah, you know, talk about talk about Drew, obviously. That trade was just kind of out of nowhere when, when the Bucks got Damian Lillard. And the Pacers, when they did play Milwaukee at home, they did get that victory. Matherin had a really good game. Halliburton had a good game. But Dame Lillard did not play in that one. So it was a, it was a close one. Giannis went off for 54 points. He had a spectacular game. It was Pacers got out early and were running. They were up a lot of points, and the Bucks came back and kind of took that lead over, and the Pacers closed it out in the fourth. But there's no home court advantage for the Pacers with their crowd being there to kind of help them, will them to that win. And now you got Dame thrown in the mix. So just I guess just starting there with Dame being thrown into the mix in this game, what are you kind of expecting differently from this, from this matchup with him now playing against the Pacers? Yeah, I think the goal for the Bucks is and, and certainly should be, whether it's the Pacers or any team, Giannis should be that dominant, but he shouldn't need to take 25 shots, right? It shouldn't need 54 from him, which it's fine if he gets 54. Like no one's mad about him getting 54, <laughs> but clearly by the end of the game, I mean, you could tell he was totally gassed and, and it showed. I mean, he had a pretty bad last couple of minutes. I think Matherin, not exactly known as a defensive stopper necessarily, was able to get the strip on him and, and kind of lock him up there. And I think that's just a lot of fatigue. And that's the great impact of Dame. Um, 
you know, just takes so much off of everyone's plate offensively. Defensively, maybe adds a little bit back onto his plate. But when he's playing, it's a fair trade for what he does on the offensive end. And he's made life easier for Giannis. People are disappointed in, you know, maybe the amount and the success rate of the Dame Giannis pick and roll, which I think is fair to an extent. But you look at everything else they do offensively, just everything they do offensively, it's all easy. I mean, they flow into good look after good look when they're not turning the ball over. And I think that is going to be one of the key areas to watch in this matchup for the Bucks offensively is are they turning the ball over or are they getting to their spots? Because I think, you know, no disrespect to Indiana, the offensive firepower on the Bucks, they should get to a lot of good looks all night. I mean, there's just a, a size problem down low that we've seen. And then every team in the league has a Dame problem. That's why you go out and make that trade and give up, you know, a player you won a championship with and Drew Holiday because nobody can truly, I know Drew did a couple years back in New Orleans, but with Giannis, with Chris Middleton, all these guys out there, Dame is just such an issue for every team. So I think Milwaukee has to take care of their ball, work the offense, not fall into what the Celtics did against Indiana, which is just try and ISO these guys over and over. I don't think that's the way the Bucs should win this game. You know, Dame's going to have some, Giannis will have some. But if the Bucs are running their actions and taking care of the ball, I think that's going to be crucial for them. And Dame just... You know, he makes it easier on Giannis and everyone, his own scoring, his passing. He's been an exquisite point guard this season. I mean, I think we really under, underestimated how he scores at the rim and how he sets guys up. You just fixate on the shooting with all the big moments he's had. Um, but I think that's going to be the thing. It's just making it so Giannis can have a great night and not need to be totally gassed for the full last five minutes of the game when typically that's been game time in Milwaukee this season. No doubt about it, Pacers are going to have their hands full this time around. Dame, an all-NBA type player, an MVP candidate in any given year. But offense is the key word. Now, these are two of the top three scoring teams in the league. But, Ty, these are also the two most efficient teams in the NBA. Do you anticipate this game just being one of those? It could be in the in the 130s each or is it going to come down to whoever can play defense you know even a little bit is going to be the team that's going to walk away with the win I think it is going to be I think it's going to be both I think it's going to be this game could well end up I think I've seen a lot of bucks the optimist bucks score prediction I've seen so far it's like yeah probably like 135 128 like I don't think anyone expects (laughs) Milwaukee's defense to you know really tamp down Indiana I, I think the the speed with with which the Pacers play with is just a problem when you look at an older Bucks roster, right? I mean, uh, coming off the bench, you got Marjan Bochamp and Andre Jackson Jr. Those are the young players. And Marjan, really an up-and-down year, but had a very nice game against the Knicks where he played good perimeter defense. That's going to be important. That's going to be something to watch. This may be a matchup where uh, Ajax, as we call him, Andre Jackson Jr., the rookie out of UConn, has to play some more too because – you know, the Bucks perimeter players are not the most fleet of foot. I mean, Brooke Lopez, for all the things he does well, this is a hard matchup because we know Miles Turner can space the floor. And if Brooke's out there on the perimeter against this young, fast team, that's going to be challenging. You know, I think Bobby Portis is going to be important. Obviously, Giannis playing that stretchier, not maybe not stretchier, but more mobile, uh, four or five. But I think, you know, it's going to be really hard to stop Indiana. It's been hard for everyone to stop Indiana. The pace they play, the shooting ability, and of course, you know, at the aforementioned Tyrese Halliburton, who's just become like a superstar this year. I mean, again, you just don't usually stop guys like that. Certainly not if, you know, Malik Beasley's your start perimeter defender in the starting five. It's done admirable there, but clearly there's, you know, admirable does not mean shut down guys. It means make their lives, make them hit the shots, which is really all the Bucks can hope for. 
But Indiana can make the shots. So even if the Bucks play relatively good defensively, I expect it'll be a pretty high-scoring game no matter what. Tyrese Halliburton has talked about Milwaukee being a team that he had yet to beat until they actually won that game uh, against the Bucks at home because he didn't play in the ones that the Pacers won the previous season. So he said, I've never beat Milwaukee. It was great to beat him. So I, I kind of wonder if there's maybe an extra edge to Tyrese to play against Milwaukee as, you know, hometown team growing up. And then obviously the matchup against Dame, like all eyes are going to be glued on this game. There's no other game being played. It's a weird start time, five Eastern, uh, Eastern time. So you're going to have to get a, you know, off work and go straight home and watch the game for a lot of people here. But you know, this this is an opportunity for the Pacers to kind of showcase things. But Tyrese Halliburton has just done a great job. I think the Pacers as a team have really shown up to play the better teams this year. They beat the they beat the Bucks at home. They beat Philly on the road. They just beat Boston. They had that huge game against Atlanta when they won that one. Uh, they beat Cleveland twice already. So the teams that were ahead of them in the Eastern Conference playoff standings in the top four, they've, they've defeated this year. So it's one of those things we are starting to see when the Pacers see a bigger name on on the schedule, they're showing up for that game. So with this game with Milwaukee, you know, the ascension that Tyrese Halliburton has had this year, what have you seen from when you've watched him play and what makes him so dangerous if you're a Bucks fan watching him? I think it's a pretty natural progression, but it's one that like it seems easy, but it's really, really hard. And that's just going from – I think Tyrese was a really nice 20 and 10 player and that's not – not trying. It sounds like I'm like talking down. That's an incredible thing to do. Twenty points, ten assists is you know not done often in this league, especially outside of Atlanta. But you have to want to hunt out your own shot and then also be good enough to make it. And I think you look at like a a Darius Garland in Cleveland, right? Who again, a wonderful point guard, doesn't do it enough. And it, whether it's the tendency or the ability, it's always a mix of both. But it, it takes a special player to add that on when, especially when you are the true point guard. And I've just seen Tyrese find such a good balance of I'm going to score, you know, 10 points in these five minutes or whatever. Like I need to step up and do this now. And then also that everyone's engaged too. Like he, I think it helps that they've built in like these hit ahead passes, you know, everyone, even if they don't get a shot out of it, like guys feel involved and energized as they go up the floor. I, I've just been so impressed with the balance he struck though. And, and the ability of a scorer that he's shown with, Kind of a funkier jump shot, I think we all can admit, but he makes it work. He gets enough space to get it off. He's so crafty. I mean, the way he moves out there, it's been really awesome to see a guy who I think people were torn on coming to the draft, but a lot of people felt good about. And then to exceed, I think probably everyone's wildest expectations has been so fun. But for me, it's just been being able to be a more willing scorer without losing the big assist numbers. He's, I mean, he's just an offensive maestro. And I think maybe if someone develops or if Indiana acquires a true second star, I think that's obviously, you know, where you think about now or the next step for this team. Maybe he does a little less of that scoring. He doesn't have to do as much, but it may be good for him in the long run that he's on this team where he's got to take on this load now and, and really establish that he can do this at the NBA level. Yeah. You know, Pacer fans have found themselves at times wanting Tyrese to be more aggressive. And that, I know that sounds crazy because he's averaging about 27 points per game. But it just feels that when he wants to score, he can score. But he is a true pass-first point guard that looks to get his team, his teammates involved. But you mentioned they're still looking for that second star. If you are Indiana right now and you do have some really good young talent, do you start to say, you know what, they might not be ready to make that push, but some of that young talent that maybe can't get on the court, is it time to kind of look to say, you know, we might have to – 
hit that trade market and really speed things up a little bit quicker because went from not being in the playoffs last year to now this team is so gifted offensively you almost feel like you got to push forward what do you think you should do if you're the Pacers I'm really never against I don't think you can do it too soon and I don't mean you know don't mortgage the whole future right don't trade all the picks for someone who could walk away in a year but like if the Siakam price is reasonable. And that's where that's I'm basically name. at. What do you do? I think you, if it's real, and it's probably not reasonable. That's the issue when you're talking about Masai Ujiri and the Raptors. But let's say there's a world where it's like one or two-ish first. Not everything. A couple of maybe some seconds, whatever it is. And I, I think this is the salary hard. I don't know the whole Indiana situation. But, you know, you're not giving up yeah. all your young players. You're not giving up all your picks. You're giving up some stuff. I would go do it, man. I mean, Tyrese is great. Like, like uh, he's developed enough. I mean, he's averaging 27 and 12, basically. You know, he's good enough. And the team around him, that's the thing what I like about their summer is they didn't just like, oh, we're going to take a bunch of flyers. We're going to take – we're going to get more second-round picks. We just saw Bruce Brown win a championship a- as a key role player. Miles Turner is a really good player. Buddy Heald is a really good player. So it's not like it's entirely a young team and you're trying to force something – there's a lot of vets, and that's probably why they've had more success too. In addition to Tyrese, there's guys who know how to win on this team. There's really good veteran players on this team. I would for sure, if you could do it reasonably, go get a Pascal Siakam and just drop him in and say, you know what, let's just level this thing up and see what we've got now. And, you know, there's always more flexibility later. You always figure things out. And the nice thing about the picks is with the Stepien rule, and the Bucks fans know this well, you unlock more if you just make it a few years. Every, every couple of years, you get another one or two picks. And yeah. you know, over here with the Milwaukee, it's been like, all right, they're out the door now. Let's bring the next guy in. But um, I don't think you can do it too early, especially when the team looks awesome. Uh, I, I'm sure there is hesitation. You don't want to rush too much and you know totally go in on one year. But if it's a guy you feel like you could keep and he's a great fit, I don't think you can go too early when, when Tyrese, is playing, or Tyrese Halliburton is playing like this. No, you're you're totally right. I mean, it's it's funny because when you look at the roster and just the age, you know, the age group, Tyrese Halberton is the eleventh uh, oldest player on this team, so he's like the fifth youngest, which is just wild to me. Like, there's guys obviously on two way deals that are younger than him a little bit, but uh, he's just it's just crazy to think your franchise player. There's ten guys older than him on the roster, so that that's special to see. And you just you don't usually see that a lot of times. Guys break out this early and be this dynamic, but. You know, I want to go back to that game the Pacers had against the Bucks earlier in the season. It was a really important game, obviously, for the Pacers to try to prove themselves against one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And Giannis Antetokounmpo dropped 54 points in this game. It was an incredible performance. But the last five minutes, he really got gassed by playing the Pacers' style. And Indiana did a great job of double-teaming him pretty much anytime he touched the basketball. And one thing I noticed when I went back and watched some of the film was how they always double teamed him. And Bruce Brown was just right there on the right side of him, forcing him to go left. And that's when you saw the Ben Matherin steal on the Ben Matherin block was when Giannis had to like go left to avoid the double team. Is there something to that where Giannis is more uh, predominantly going to his right and forcing him to his left is something that can kind of take him away a little bit from his comfort or get him out of his comfort zone. And, you know, if the Pacers do go to double team him, in this instance against uh, the Bucks, this game, how can Milwaukee counter that a little bit better than they did last time? I don't know if it, I, I think, you know, he, he's got his dominant hand. I think he's gotten a lot better at going both ways, though. I, I remember from that game and I did not rewatch it as much recently. So I'm, I'm sure that is the preferable way to double him. 
I remember it just seemed like he was just gas, and they the Pacers were just relentlessly throwing bodies at him. And I think sometimes maybe Giannis's biggest, and it's why it's so interesting to throw Dame onto this team. Like one of the biggest Giannis negatives can be if things get real tight occasionally, or like the and the rest of the team just really did not show up in that game. He'll just try and do it all over and over, and he's had to. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, it. Game six of the finals, right? He dropped 50 and no one else had it. And he, that's what he needed to do. That's probably what he need, needed to do in the Indiana game as well, just because Chris played less than 20 minutes and wasn't able to be out there. And no one else, I mean, Malik Beasley was three of six from three, but didn't hit almost any of his twos. Nobody else hit more than one three outside of Chris, who wasn't, wasn't able to play too much of that game. So I think the counter to this is just you have Dame, you have Chris for about almost 10 more minutes per game, which which is a big deal for Milwaukee too. And I think the team has built a lot more chemistry with these guys, with this new starting five. Just rely on these other guys more. You know, I think it's going to be really hard to double Giannis anywhere on the court in a, in a late game situation when you've got either Dame or Malik Beasley one pass away. You've got Brooke Lopez around the rim. Chris Middleton's going to be in a corner. Like it's just going to be more dangerous than it was. And I think – you know, Beasley was still out there, but the rest of these guys, like, you know, I, I don't know. Indiana may still go to that just because I think, especially if they're going smaller and it's just Miles Turner in the big rotation, there may just not be a choice to handle Giannis. But I, I think it's going to be really tough to do with Dame and, and hopefully Chris out there for late game stretches too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And I know you said, hopefully, Chris, give me the rundown on Chris Middleton, because I'm 
worried that he may never return back to the player that he once was an all-star right? before the, the the knee injuries, but he did sign a fresh three-year, $93 million deal. I felt you probably had to do that to retain Giannis because I know where the Bucks were at, really trying to you know keep the team intact, but also show we're trying to win. Chris Middleton, you know, if you look on paper, the stats aren't what they used to. He's obviously playing a reduced role. Do you think Middleton could return to the form that he was in maybe two, three years ago? I think honestly, yeah. Um, I think they're just being extremely cautious, which made sense. If you look at last year, he missed part of the year after an offseason surgery like this time. And he came back and he jumped back in and played like 27 minutes. And he ended up re-aggravating his, his injury. He had to go back out. And then he came back and they ramped him up. And this time to start the year after kind of a, another uh, knee cleanup. And he says, he says he's been feeling great ever since. He has not felt any setbacks that any reporters have heard from him. But it's just they have him on this very steady plan of no back-to-backs. Started at like 15, 16 minutes. Was at just below 20 at the time of the Bucks pacers game. And now he's up to like 26, 27, 28 minutes. So I think if you watch him play, he's leading the NBA in mid-range percentage right now. So he hasn't lost what he does offensively. The nice thing about Chris is he's never all that athletic to begin with. So he's kind of used to making shots with guys all over him. That's not new to him. Uh, and he's knocked down two of his three threes in the Knicks um in-season tournament game as well, the first round there. So it was great to see that because that was lagging behind more was the three-point percentage. A lot of shots just short, seemed like kind of getting his rhythm and getting the legs under him fully. But I I think he'll be there. I don't think he'll probably be as good defensively. It's more about kind of finding his spots on that end. He certainly seems to have lost some of that lateral quickness. You know, is he going to make the all-star game, the the all-star team this year? No, for sure. I mean, he's just too slow of a starter, too many good players in the East. Um, I, I, it'll be tough for him to make it again just because his role now is the third guy on the team and his age and everything. You never know, though. Um, but I, I think for what matters, like can he be that offensive player now that he has to do even less? I, I think absolutely. And the Bucks have been pretty tremendous in his minutes this year, even though – and I, I know I said hopefully – he's closing games again now. I, I think the rotation now at this minute's marker is easier. He, he's going to be out there late, and that's another, another big deal for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely feel his presence being missed when he was not there against the Heat in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And Giannis was just looking for him to kind of close the game. I know you have Dame that can do that, but having Chris there as a second option is going to be huge, I think, offensively. And that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of forgot when they did trade Drew was just some of the, the shot decisions by Drew Holiday are a little bit questionable. I mean, he did not look like a great offensive player when they were uh, against the Pacers on Monday night. People, He's people had his remembered moments. it uh, during that game, I think. Yes. <laughs> he he just he's one of those guys that is like really good at defense and can do a lot of things, but it's just sometimes better offense is better than better defense. And I I think defense is kind of overblown a little bit with how much we talk about it. But I want to talk about the, the coaching change that you guys made this year. Obviously, going from Coach Bud to Adrian Griffin, that's a big change. And personally, I like Coach Bud. I think he's a good coach. Um, I was a little bit surprised that everything he had kind of gone through personally that he did get fired after this, you know, round one exit to Miami. But, you know, Giannis kind of handpicked Adrian Griffin as long as far as I remember, right, from what I read and what I heard. So your thoughts on Adrian Griffin, how he's been as a coach. And uh, the one time I watched him get uh, coach against the Pacers, he got ejected in the game. So just kind of curious your thoughts on Adrian Griffin. Yeah, that was funny because he said after the game, previ- right before that, he had to stick up more for Giannis, and he certainly yeah. went ahead and did that uh, in pretty spectacular fashion against Indiana. And then after the game, I think Bucks Twitter was like, "It's nice to see 
the coach really stick up for Giannis vocally, which was not a big Budenholzer thing, but maybe not that game because it didn't seem like Prunty was was calling it the best on the stretch there. Maybe don't get all the way kicked out. Just get the one tech. Um, so hopefully that'll be Griffin sticking to the one tech going forward. I think to quickly cover Bud's dismissal, I think part of it was that that way they went off in the playoffs for sure. I think also though, and and we've gotten some comments, some anonymous, but some from named players like Bobby Portis and Jay Crowder. It just felt like the team a little bit lost its focus and and kind of lost kind of lost that connection. And, and I think like Crowder called it a country club atmosphere. I think they had just softened up a little too much, got a little too comfortable running most of the, a lot of the same things they've been running for a long. I and mean, they had little wrinkles, but it was very similar year in year out, especially on the defensive end. So. I think you kind of just had to make the move as great as Bud was, greatest coach in Bucks franchise history for sure. Uh, and I think he's going to get a job, you know, this next cycle and really help a team become a, a great team. Looking at Cleveland right now, to be honest, if they continue to be kind of up and down. It's actually kind of scary for the rest of the Central because they have pieces to do a lot of Budenholzer things over there. Um, but Griffin, since coming in, you know, the first four games, they tried to play the aggressive trap defense with Brooke, fairly disastrous, although they got a nice win against Philly on opening night. And then game five against the Knicks it was the first in-season tournament seeding game. They start dropping Brooke, and they've been pretty okay defensively. I think like 12th in defensive rating since that time compared to the rest of the league. So uh, you look at their season long, I think they're probably closer to 20th and 12th. But in the games where they've been dropping as base, they've become pretty, you know, they're not great, but they're like, they're a, a real defense. They're not just like horrible, even though it looks that way sometimes because their perimeter. Brooke Lopez cleans up a lot. Um, but Griffin, I think they're better suited for the playoffs under him because they just do more. They do a lot more defensively. I mean, you see more zone. They're one of the top three teams, I think, in playing zone this year. I think they've scaled back a little bit, but they're still probably up there. They've still played more probably this season than they did in the whole Bud tenure outside of maybe like some garbage time stuff. Uh, they they switch more. Their switching has been adventurous. They drop now. Um, they've, they, they'll do trapping. Bobby Portis especially will trap. So I think defensively, they're ironing out more different modes than they've had previously. And offensively, there's a lot of motion, but really it's hard to compare because like, yeah, Bud's offense would look better too if you had Damian Lillard. Like we can be real. I mean, that's, that's going to make any offense look really good. But I like the way they operate. I like that they're not just, you know, a bunch of pick and rolls. It's it's a fun offense. Dame has free reign as point guard, but Giannis certainly gets his touches. And then you know I think the other players have been more involved than some other Bucks role players in years past, which has helped. Like Malik Beasley's on an absolute tear right now because they get him a lot of shots. And to his credit, you know not all role players want to take all those shots. He certainly does. So uh, it, it's been fun. I think there's been bumps, but I'm pretty confident that Griffin will be able to be the coach, a, a good enough coach at least for what they need come playoff time. Yeah, and I had a quick follow-up on that because yeah. I, I forgot to bring this up too. You know, you mentioned Joe Prunty had to coach that game uh when he got it when Griffin got ejected. What happened with Terry Stotts? I know there was a lot of reports that kind of went out. I know it was kind of just a, a weird dismissal or, or him leaving the team, but I was kind of surprised because I felt like that was a great addition to that roster, uh, that coaching staff, I mean. And we kind of saw here when the Pacers hired Nate Bjorkren. From Toronto, the same Nick Nurse tree as well. Yeah, he had a hard time getting coaches here. So I thought to myself, man, is is Griffin kind of falling under that same umbrella of just being a difficult coach to, coach to work with? And how's that going to play out for him? But just just didn't really know what happened with Terry Stotts. Yeah, I don't know if anyone. I think there's been little bits of things that that have come out, maybe from 
you know, two different perspectives uh, on what happened, so to speak. But I, I think not a real complete telling of that. I mean, there was the athletic article where, you know, Terry Stotts was going to talk to Damon Giannis about something and Adrian Griffin was trying to have a coach's meeting and he like yelled across the room like, hey, get over here, whatever, for this meeting. That's all we've really gotten from firm reporting. It just seems like um, Stotts, who was a head coach for a decade and has not since been an assistant, just didn't mesh with Griffin, whether that's personality, whether that's – I'm sure a lot of it is just the two personalities. But also, you know, I'm sure it is hard to an extent to go from being a head coach to 10 years to taking orders, again, from, from a, uh, you know, your, your new boss, so to speak. I mean, it was his new boss. Uh, and he did walk away. It wasn't dismissed. So it was – he just decided before the year, like, you know, this isn't a fit. Don't want to do it. Uh, certainly a blow. To be honest, the fact that we haven't heard anything really negative since has been good. You know, it's, you're always worried with something like that. Like, is this going to rear its head in other ways? Haven't really seen anything come out. Um, and again, same with, you know, same point I made before. It's all easier offensively when you get Dame. I, a big part of the stats appeal for us initially was like, all right, even if they don't make an offensive upgrade, maybe a new offensive mind can help Drew and Chris and Giannis cook more. Dame doesn't need that much help, man. I mean, I, I don't want to oversimplify or make it seem like coaching isn't important, but it's all a lot easier when you put this you know, all 75 guy, one of the best shooting point guards ever, one of the best two shooting point guards ever on the team. At least for now, Tyrese may be coming for him. But for right now, I feel good about Dame in, in that spot. So, yeah. You know, we know the big names, like you mentioned, Dame, Giannis, you know, you got some Chris Middleton. But who's perhaps maybe an X factor? for Milwaukee that could make a big difference in this game. Like I've always said that I feel the Pacers go to new heights when Aaron Neesmith really has it going on the offensive end because you know what he's going to bring on the defensive end. Who's that player for the Bucks that when he has it going, you know, they're they're really that much better of a team? Um, I think there's two who are relatively close. I would give a slight edge to Beasley, who I mentioned before. You know, he's going to get beat a bunch. He's going to get tough assignments. He's going to get time on Tyrese Halliburton, which just sounds ridiculous. But you look at the rest of the Bucks starters and there's not really anyone else better equipped to guard excellent perimeter players. And it's like, can he just come up with a couple of stops or like a, a deflection here, a steal there? Like any – that's the thing with the Bucks is like it, when they're going offensively, you just need to like make a couple of splash plays on defense. You know, Brooke or Giannis clean up a couple things at the rim. And then you can go on a little run and kind of put the game away. And that's what we saw to a big extent against New York. I mean, the Bucks defense really tightened up in that second half. So Beasley, like, A, can he just survive on defense enough? And, you know, Halliburton's going to get his and get a bunch of assists. But, you know, make it a little harder on him, not make it super easy. But then offensively, too. I mean, he's had some games. He He's had an 8-3 game. I think he's made six a couple times this year, too. You know, when he's really feeling it, it just stresses defenses out to a whole new level. Because, again, like you said – you know, everyone knows and you always have to be cognizant of the big guys on the roster. So it's easy for Malik Beasley to kind of sneak open, fly under the radar. When he's locked in, I mean, he's just a menace and, and really can kind of run that offense to new heights. And then Marjan Bochamp as well. I think he's going to get a lot of shift on Tyrese from from his bench role. And wouldn't expect anything close to that offensively. He's, had, he's knocked down some threes. But can he give you some good minutes? Can he force some turnovers, you know? Just come up with stops. That's going to be big for the Bucks. Just knowing they don't have a ton of established perimeter defense on this roster. Yeah, as long as the Bucks have people out there, the Pacers can hide Tyrese Halliburton on defensive. That's going to help, I think, the Pacers with, with what they're trying to do. But Ty, I'm going to give the the floor to you now to ask us any questions you'd like to ask us. Maybe we haven't brought up in terms of this matchup. 
Yeah, I guess the first one is just what do you think the plan will be to guard Giannis? I mean, I, I know Turner's gotten some shifts on him, but obviously the difficulty there is, you know, you usually you need someone to help too, especially if you put a center on him. And, and Indiana just skews so small around him. Tice now is gone. I know Jalen Smith is out for this game. Like, do you anticipate more of like Isaiah Jackson playing potentially? Or what do you think the plan is going to be to stop, you know, try to not have Giannis get another 50-burger? On the Pacers. Paji? I mean, look, Giannis, he's <laughs> going to get his. I don't think the Pacers have a one-on-one defender for him. I know coming into the year, it felt, felt like a joke, but Obi Toppin, you know, uh, not a good defender. I feel like has good length. Yeah. Because uh, you're looking like Aaron Neesmith, good defender. He's given up a lot of size. He's, he's only about 6'5". So I think the Pacers are going to have to double in this matchup, but it's going to have to be, you know, timely doubles because – the Bucks still have players that could beat, you know, the Pacers. So it's going to be tough. I don't quite anticipate another 54 points, but could you hold them to 35 or less? That would be a win for the Pacers. Yeah. Um, yeah Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that they'll probably start out with Obi and leave Miles on Brook and, and kind of let Obi see what he can do. Because I think Obi has improved as a defender. Like he played Jimmy Butler pretty well just two games ago on the road. And, you know, Jimmy Butler's notorious for getting guys in foul trouble and baiting guys and, Obi Toppin, I think he held him to four of eleven shooting. Now, obviously, Jimmy Butler is a little bit closer in size to to Obi Toppin than Giannis being seven foot. So, I do think that they'll give Obi the first nod. And I think one thing with Aaron Neesmith is like he plays physical, and I think that he could, you know, get in Giannis's shorts a little bit defensively. But I think he'd also get a lot of foul trouble. So, you know, Isaiah Jackson, I don't know what it is about uh, him. Maybe Rick Carlisle didn't fully trust him or not, but they didn't play him at all in that game against Boston. So he he probably will have to be ready to go just because of the foul trouble. I think that Giannis could put the Pacers front court in, but they are thin now. You know, they traded away or they let Tice go. They didn't trade him away. They, they waved him. And then they also don't have Jalen Smith. So now they're down to just two centers and one that they only really trust. So they are a little bit thin in the front court, and I think that could be problematic for the Pacers. But, you know, Obi Top, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of prove himself in the way he's improved as a player but that athleticism, you think with how athletic Obi Toppin is, maybe it would translate a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I would assume that we probably see some more double teams. We've seen that a lot with the Pacers and who they've played. They did that against Jimmy Butler, like crazy double teaming and leaving somebody open. And then the Pacers defense gets on a scramble. So who they end up leaving open in that regard, I don't know. But, you know, they'll probably live with uh, Malik Beasley or whoever beating them versus – you know, Dame and, and Middleton and, and Giannis will probably try to make somebody else beat him. Yeah, that that makes sense. Now, I guess the second part, the second question I had is, it seemed like the guy was Matherin in the first game, but you, flipping the X factor question back to you, I mean, could it be a number of guys? Like, I, I mean, I got twenty six points and eleven rebounds. Had the clutch defense late. Like, does he have to maybe not have that good of a performance, but similar? Or could it be a number of players who step up and, and make the difference for Indy? Alex, you want to take this one or you want me to go? Go ahead. Uh, that game by Matherin might have been one of the best games he's ever had. It was it was the it was one of the most complete efforts. The 11 rebounds was a career high. I would not expect that. that. But I mentioned before, Aaron E. Smith, the Pacers, they're seven and zero when he scores in double figures. So he's someone that if he can get it going offensively, yeah, you know, he is a major X factor. But Bruce Brown's another guy where he dropped 30 recently against the Heat when Tyrese did not play. So if Bruce Brown gets it going, they're that much more dangerous. This is also a Pacers team that's coming off of seven players scoring double figures 
against Boston. So it feels like guys outside of your your Tyrese and your you know Miles Turner, you start to then look at what can Aaron Nesmith provide for you. Does Matherin have 15 to 20 to chip in? So I, I think that those are the two players and Bruce Brown. I think that you're really trying to say, okay, can we get a little bit more out of you? Because Jalen Smith had played very well in the beginning of the year, but there's not going to be Jalen Smith, you know, against Milwaukee this time around. So I, I feel that the X factors, in my opinion, Aaron e. Smith, Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, those three. If I could only pick one, I'd say if Bruce Brown could give you 20 plus points, it could go a long way. I'm going to go a little bit different here, Flachi. And I was okay. wondering if you'd bring this guy up since you were kind of going through the roster. I think it's actually a buddy. I was. I think Buddy Hill is going to be the X factor in this game because when Buddy Hill is hitting shots, it makes it a totally different game. Now, I do think that if Tyrese gets going against Milwaukee's weak perimeter defense, they might start double teaming him like we've seen other teams do. Uh, We saw the Bucs kind of play that three-fourths or three-quarter press against the Pacers to try to get them out of their fast-paced offense, and it worked for for a stretch there with uh, Ajax, like you mentioned. So. I, and, and Bochamp. So I, I do think the Pacers will probably look to have Buddy Hill be hitting shots because that's kind of how their offense works. It's like when Buddy Hill is hitting shots, they usually lead to victory. So that's one thing I think he'll kind of be the X factor for them. But, you know, Ben Matherin's also a good one to kind of bring up because I felt like in that game against Boston, he only had 16 points, but he was five of seven from three, I believe, or four of seven from three. And he really just kind of stepped up or so when, when they needed him. Right. And, and that was one of those things where he wasn't afraid of the moment. And you love seeing that from a second year guy that has that potential to kind of be a two way player when he's fully locked in. So, that's one of those things. Is he going to be like, okay, I had a great game against Milwaukee before. My confidence is up. Now I'm coming off the bench. I'm ready to keep proving myself that I'm worthy of being a starter because that's the thing. He has been kind of changed around in the rotation a little bit, and I think it's actually benefited him and the Pacers overall to just put more floor spacing out there with Buddy versus Ben. But that that's where I'm at. I think Buddy, like if he's hitting shots and, and doing what he does, you know, dropping 24 points in this game, it, it could be pivotal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – I think the the two things that I asked about are kind of where I'm looking at what's going to decide this game on, you know, can the Pacers contain Giannis and keep Giannis out of the paint to a certain extent and can Milwaukee stop these guys on the perimeter from just going crazy, whether that's blowing by them and dunking or knocking down a bunch of threes. I thought Milwaukee's defense against New York was interesting. It seemed like there was a real focus on running the Knicks off of the three-point line, funneling more into Giannis and Brooke. I would imagine there's – well, that's the thing though. It's harder to do against the Pacers team when Turner's out there that, you know, you probably can't just plant Brooke down there. But maybe, mm. you know, can you plant Giannis off of Neesmith and make him hit shots? As you've mentioned, you know, that can be risky. You can knock down – or you may be talking about someone else. But, you know, I've seen him knock down shots against Milwaukee, I think. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Bucks choose to defend this Pacers team knowing they can't hold all these guys one-on-one probably more switching, but even then that just leaves the back line open. So I think those are going to be two of the most important areas of this game. And of course, can the Bucks not let Indiana just run them ragged on pace? I mean, the Bucks like to move too. They have a pretty high pace, but not, not like, not like the Pacers. And I think ironically, um, and I think stopping fast break, stopping live ball, really good looks. That's something the Bucks struggle with. They're just going to have to be diligent with that and really work hard and probably change the rotation and play those young guys more because I could just see like Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez above the break. I mean, like these young Pacers are going to be looking at them and seeing food and getting to the rim, and you can't afford that all night long. Now, to Alex's point about Buddy Heald, I mean, he's either sizzling hot or he's as cold as an ice cube. So it would be huge if he can, you know, have that shot going. 
But one thing that's interesting, the Pacers, eight of their 11 wins, they've actually been underdogs in those games. So if the Pacers are to pull the upset over Milwaukee, what would have to go wrong for the Bucs? Uh, I think, you know, their plan works really well on Giannis and maybe he helps them, whether that's, you know, Neesmith is on him and he picks up some fouls and that limits what he can do or gets a little too jumper happy, which we'll see time to time. And, you know, he, obviously you feel good when you're basically a seven footer and there's like a six foot five guy guarding you a couple feet back. I mean, you've got a lot of space to shoot, but that still doesn't mean it's a good decision for him to take too many of those. One Once in a while, fine, whatever. Gets too jumper happy or something like that. You know, it limits himself to a certain extent. Because I do think, you know, Giannis plays his game, plays smart, plays in the offense. The looks are going to be there. Uh, Maybe, you know, there's only so much you can do with with a guy like that. So I think that. And then on the other end, like it's the Bucks go to their worst habits in transition. And I think that's really, and not just when they cough it up, but, you know, on made shots, on, on long misses, like they've given, they've let teams run. And I think that's a bad recipe for them to kind of, let the pace get out of control, get tired while these young guys are running into good shots after good shots. Like I think Milwaukee really has to be, you know, not maybe play extra slow on purpose, but be diligent and make sure you're getting back and, and really execute in the half court and try and cut down on those opportunities by playing better offense. So I, I think that's the recipe for Indiana. It's just like, you know, limit Giannis enough and then just run around the Bucks and, and knock down a bunch of threes. I mean, you got to – you got to hit the threes, I'm assuming, as well. Although they really didn't in that first matchup. You mentioned Buddy. I think he was two for 11 from deep. Mm. So another game like that would, I think, be tough with Damon in the lineup for, for the Pacers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For sure, yeah. And this is going to be an interesting game because I do think the Pacers front court being a little bit thinner right now does make me a little bit nervous going up against a team like Milwaukee, but I do think that it could be a shootout. It could be really fun. And one thing I will say, Bobby Portis is crazy. And (laughs) I'm excited to see if him and Benedict Matherin get into it a little bit in one of the second or third quarters. I can just see it because we know Bobby is always looking to say something. And I I remember Bobby Portis ran up to Daniel Tice after Daniel Tice took that like 
hit to the neck or whatever it was, and Portis was called for the foul. And Bobby just ran right up to him and goes, you are soft. <laughs> just gave him the craziest eyes. And I was like, oh, man. And Tyson didn't acknowledge anything that he said. He just kept playing. But with Ben Matherin, I feel like Ben Matherin was kind of getting some of the Bucks people upset on – excuse me, the, the Celtics people upset on Monday. Uh, Luke Cornett was crying for a technical foul after he made a three and kind of gloated in his face. And he was talking to the Celtics bench right in front of him when he made a three in the first uh, first quarter. And Sam Cassell got up and started talking back. So – I'm just saying, I, I think the over-under for uh, a Bobby Portis, Ben Matherin little scuffle, I, w- I would put it at 0. .5. I think it's. I think there's potential for it to happen. There. I would, uh, I'd sprinkle in Beasley, too. He's been talking to a lot of benches because he's always in the corner. He's always right there. So I could see I could see that picking up some steam as well. I like I like that call. I wanted to ask you guys, you know, obviously don't want to look ahead and look past the opponent tonight, and I'm not doing that either. But out of the two teams going t- for the western side of the bracket, who would you rather? Not not who's the better matchup. Who would you rather if the Pacers are to win? Would you rather see in that game the Lakers or the Pelicans? Mm. Give me the Lakers. Yeah, I, I'd say the Lakers. I think we can run up and down, really tire them out. Yeah. But also, who doesn't want to beat? First of all, I would love to beat LeBron on a stage that actually matters because <laughs> the Pacers have not been able to do that. I mean, the Pacers have been eliminated by LeBron, I believe, five times in the playoffs. They're 0-5 wow. in series. Even if it's just one game, could we get them just once? I would love that. Yeah, I, I think that if you go through Boston, Milwaukee, and the Lakers to win the that's, championship, that's a pretty good resume that's going to get you a lot of national recognition. I feel like the Pelicans um, also might be a little bit more of a problem with how the, the style of play they play for yeah. the Pacers, too. So I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of hoping the Lakers pull that one out. I'm not even one that wants the big market to make it, but it would just mean a lot more, I think, for Indiana if they were to beat LeBron and the Lakers. Everybody who is pulling for them, it's going to be Laker heavy in Las Vegas, too. Yeah. Uh, So that would be massive. Uh, Who do you want to play? I would probably say the same. I mean, it's something against the Pelicans. Um, I think it's, it's fun to play against LeBron. I mean, you always just know the games just have that different atmosphere, and especially if you can beat them. I mean... Giannis turned 29 today when we were recording uh, on on Wednesday, and you know, hey, were happy birthday! Their, yeah, happy birthday, to the the big guy, uh, Greek freak. But people were sharing their favorite Giannis moments, and a lot of them was he put the crown on in, in L.A. after like while beating the Lakers, and it's just like, yeah. I remember there was That's like cool. an all star game where like he and LeBron were he blocked LeBron, and they were going at it late. You know, this is back when like mm-hmm. you know now it's not a combo anymore, but when you're a young player coming up, like you have to unseat. LeBron. It's not easy to do. He's so good for so long. Um, so yeah, I think that would be fun. Pelicans, I mean, Zion and, and Giannis obviously have some um, play style similarities. So that, that'd be fun to watch them go up against each other too. I really wanted Phoenix though. I mean, the KD rematch, the Booker and the Suns rematch. Like, I think that would have been an awesome finals. I was rooting for them just for that. But now it's, you know, Lakers would be fun, but I really, I wanted Phoenix more. It's, I don't know if, I don't know if on a, I was going to say, I don't know how many times LeBron has knocked out Milwaukee. Of course, there was Bucks in six year. But, uh, you know, when the Bucks really cared, the, LeBron hasn't knocked him out as much. So I think there's less animosity there. Yeah, for sure. And I, I will say this, too. Like, if you uh, think about the other matches that could have happened, we could have had Pacers-Kings potentially oh in God. this championship. Would have been, cool. been fun. I would have needed three coffees just to match their energy uh, just from watching the game. I, I would have... I wanted it, but I didn't want it, if that makes sense. It's like, <laughs> because no matter who wins that game, both fan bases are going to be insufferable to the other fan base. Oh, it's already bad enough right now. I forgot about the whole the trade. trade thing. I was just thinking yeah. about play style. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a lot. No, 
they would have been like, not only do we win the cup, but we win the trade as well. It's like you, you can't, you, you can't get bragging just say rights that's if you win the cup. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I mean. Uh, All right. Well, let's let's close things out here, Tyler and Pachi. You go after Ty. Give me your prediction for Pacers Bucks. I'm, I'm going to stick with pretty close to what I said earlier. I'm going to say I'll say it trails off a little bit, just because I feel like a lot of the times these games, when you expect it to be, you know, the epic shootout, it often ends up being a little bit more low scoring. I mean, last one was 126-124. I'm going to say 128-120 bucks. Got to pick bucks, of course. but You have to. I, I, I think it's close. I think it's close. I hate it. I predicted the, picture, the Pacers against Boston. I did. I felt it. If the Pacers did not already beat Milwaukee, I would feel better. I feel that Milwaukee is not going to overlook the Pacers at all. They have Dan this time. Sadly, I am going with Milwaukee. I don't feel great about it, but that's uh, what's the score? That's where my head's at. I think I, I, 132 to 124. Okay, I like it. You just picked a random number out there that I like. I mean, um, <laughs> what, what do you got? Score? What's, what's your score? <laughs> <laughs> Ty gave this, so I felt like we had to get our scores. I, I thought too. we were doing it. That's why I usually hate doing this on our pod too. That's the funny thing. <laughs> Rohan always makes us, so now I'm conditioned. We don't even really do Respected. a lot of preview podcasts, to yeah. be honest with you. It's just been for the in-season tournament we've done it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and be the one that is the homer here. I'll pick the Pacers to win this one. I think they're going to win it 129 to 125. I think it's going to be a close game, but Tyrese Halliburton's going to hit another. Big time shot because that's all he's done in the whole in-season tournament. He just hits big shot after big shot after big shot. Uh, you know, they won't be in their city edition uniforms. I don't believe I think that the Bucks will have their city edition uniforms, probably since they're the the one seed, would be my guess. So Pace is probably in their white uniforms. But Tyrese has done it in the white uniforms on the road against Philly and against Atlanta. So uh we're just gonna ride the we're just gonna ride the hot hand of Tyrese right now and just uh keep it positive. At least someone has to pick the Pacers since you guys both went Bucks. <laughs> I know. I hated how you went last. You know, I feel like you really set it up for like, all right, well, I'm going to be Would the guy. Would you pick the Pacers pick if the Pacers. I picked the Bucks? I mean, I probably wouldn't have been like, yeah, clean sweep, Bucks. You know, we're all in. <laughs> I was going like, to pick the Pacers regardless. I, I'm, I'm glad somebody did. I, yeah. You never feel good going in if everyone picks you. I, I know. You don't want everyone to pick I, you. I, yeah, but I also felt dirty picking the Bucks, but I, I didn't want to be too much of a homer if I didn't believe it. I believed it against Boston. I just know we're going to get the best effort Milwaukee has this time after, you know, I don't want to say we snuck up on him, but after we took that game, but in reality, Damian Lillard did not play. He makes a big difference. Just a little bit, just a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Smish. I, think, I think they're 14 and one when he scores 20 this year, which is uh, not bad. And the only loss was in Boston. So yeah, he's been, uh, he's been slightly impactful for the bucks. You could say slightly, just yeah. slightly. Um, <laughs> All right, Ty, we already talked about it at the beginning, but go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you and all your work at on uh, social media. Yeah, um, so on Twitter and threads at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H, and then all the pods and everything on YouTube, all that stuff can be found at gspn.info. That has all of our links. And since we're cross-posting, you guys, please feel share your stuff as well. And, and listeners, go check out Setting the Pace. I mean, I, I joked with the guys before the show, like – you know, sometimes I plug an opposing team podcast, but if it's like a team the Bucks fans hate, you're maybe not going to check it out. But Pacers, we like the Pacers. We like Tyrese Halliburton. So check out check out setting the pace and, and Fachi and Alex here. Fachi, tell them where they can find us at. 
All right. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers Pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, we've done this a few times, Ty, if you haven't heard. We haven't rehearsed oh, now. So, <laughs> uh, YouTube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content. And if you like what you're listening to, give us a five-star rating and review and do the same thing for the Euro Step Pod as well. Make sure you guys are just helping us out. And that is Euro. Some of you guys in Indiana probably say that as Gyro because but, it's, impor- it's uh, pronounced our wrong. Our stance is there is no official pronunciation. You spell it right. There you is. listen to the show. That's fine. People say it different. The real Greeks... They can roll it. It sounds sick. We I can't do that mm. at all. So however you want to say it is honestly. Fine. What are you guys? What are you guys going to do when Giannis is traded? Doesn't matter. It's, it's stamped now, and he's not going to get traded. Ah, oh, you tricked me. Oh yeah, you tricked me. I'm so used to giving. <laughs> well, I mean, when he's off the team, what are you going to do? No, I mean, is it? Uh, no, I mean, we've it's hit ten established years. Established now. We've hit ten years. We got a championship. I mean, it's Giannis it's, is like Kareem is going to be a legendary figure, and more so even forever. So uh, we're, yeah. we're never after they won in 21. We're like we're not changing it. Doesn't matter. There happens. you go. Yeah, that, that's the same here. We aren't ever changing this from setting the pace either. It'd be established, but too, you know, you establish it for too long. It's like, yeah. why change it now? But uh, with that being said, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, let's see who is uh, standing victorious at the end of the semifinals Eastern Conference game between the Bucks and the Pacers. Should be a good one. So, Bucks fans, Pacer fans, enjoy the game. And uh, we'll be enemies tomorrow, but we'll be friends later on. And we will talk to y'all later this week. <laughs> <laughs>